The following program is made possible by the faithful friends and supporters of Higher Aim. Welcome. I am so glad that you have joined us today, and I just want to encourage you to stay tuned because today we are going to deal with one of the last words, one of the last phrases of Christ from the cross, and it's all about responsibility, which, by the way, our culture does not know much about. I'm going to share some difficult things, but a word that our culture desperately needs. Stay tuned. We are making a journey all the way through the seven last words, the seven last phrases that Jesus would speak from the cross. These seven words, if you will, are very powerful. They speak to us personally. They speak toward our culture. And I'm praying that they will speak to you right now where you are. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 19. The Bible tells us in verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Let me just say this to you. Um, we have an epidemic going on today, and it's in the area of irresponsibility. And these words of Jesus cut right across uh, the, the vortex of this great problem of irresponsibility in our culture, because Jesus was being responsible. I want you to see three things today. I'm going to only give you three points, and, and uh, you would do well to write them down. First of all, this passage teaches us that, here it is, I am responsible for my children. Let's say that out loud with me. I am responsible for my children. There are many of you who are singles. You're students. You're, you're here today. And you, you don't have any kids. Just get ready because one day you need to understand that you need to be responsible for your children. And if you don't plan to be responsible for your children, don't have any that don't have any. This is really critical. The Bible teaches us that that responsibility is that of a parent. Now, Mary is the example of this. She follows her son all the way to the cross. She identified with him in his birth, yes. Now in his death, yes. And ultimately in his resurrection, yes but also in his entire ministry. She was in the background. In fact, if you'll remember in John's account, the same gospel, she is the one that is encouraging Jesus to help out this family who during this wedding is running out of wine and she encourages her son to help out. She knew he could help and he did. He made some great wine. 
And so she was involved in the ministry of Jesus, but she was someone who went all the way to the cross. By the way, that's a very dangerous thing to do. Anyone who would publicly identify with someone who was under a, a, uh, an order of execution by the Roman government set themselves up to be arrested possibly as uh, someone who was complicit in the crime. And they themselves could be snatched by the law enforcement of the day. So there was risk involved here. But Mary went all the way, all the way. I, I tell you that uh, this is important because as parents, we are responsible for our children. I told you I was going to step on some toes. Let me just say it like this. The school is not responsible for the education of your children. Your church is not responsible for the spiritual education of your children. You are. You are responsible for what goes in and what takes root and what comes out of your children. And when you and I choose to be passive in our children's education, we reap the whirlwind decades later. Now, this is a very, very important because many of us are living in a day and time to where we would just rather refer our kids to a specialist rather than be being close to them. Do you realize that in Nineveh, during one of their archaeological digs, they uncovered out of the Nineveh library certain plaques, and one of the plaques had different laws of the realm. And one of them read like this, anyone guilty of neglect would be held responsible for the neglect, uh, the result of his neglect. If you fail to teach your child to obey, if you fail to teach him to respect property rights of others, you and not he are responsible for the result of your neglect. Isn't that interesting? However, today's parents, we, we want to blame the educators. We want to blame this person or that person, or we want to blame that group or that group. We like to blame the media. We like to blame everything, but taking responsibility for what we have allowed to be filtered through into the lives of our children. Years ago, there was a, a pastor by the name of W.B. Riley, and he was preaching a revival meeting in Scotland. And he had the privilege of staying, because there wasn't any lodging nearby, with uh, a shepherd. And as the shepherd picked him up from the rail station, uh, he began to tell him the sad news that last night he lost 65 of his precious lambs. And Pastor Riley looked at him and said, uh, how many uh, sheep did you lose to the wolves? And the shepherd looked at him and said, don't you know? Don't you know? A wolf will never take an adult sheep if they can take a lamb. Let's tell you what, our children are under the target. They're scoped in. The evil one has already determined the yardage, determined the velocity, determined the gram weight of the bullet that he is targeting your children with. 
because he loved to take them out, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. And I pray that you would understand, as a child of God, it is our responsibility as parents to take care of our children and to invest in their lives. Don't blame anyone else. It is our responsibility. Now, how can you be responsible? I'm going to give you a couple of things. Number one, just be there for them. Show up. Uh, You don't have to to do anything special but to be there. The greatest ministry that you could often do is the ministry of presence. Your, Your presence with your child is very, very important. But also you need to pour into them. You need to make sure that what is poured into them intellectually, academically, spiritually is filtered through your approval. Uh, There are a lot of parents who just say, well, I just want my child to figure it out for themselves. Let me just tell you something. If you love someone, you're going to do your best to protect them. And not every bit of information needs to be exposed to your child. They don't have to experience uh, the, the evil of our culture to know that if they move in a certain area where there's fire, they're going to get burned. And you as a parent are, need to be responsible for them. However, I will tell you that we don't like to be responsible. And we'll say, we'll be there at their athletic games, but we won't be there for them spiritually. Do you have conversations with your children spiritually? Do you talk to them about the Lord? And by the way, you should be further along in your faith than they are. And so you don't need to be worried that you don't have the information. You do. You, you do have it at your hands. And if you don't have it, you can surely find it. Uh, that is important. However, uh, well, you just cannot just turn over the spiritual development of, of your children. You need to invest in them and trust that God will bring to harvest that which you have planted in their hearts and in their lives. And, and by the way, Maybe you haven't done a good job in the past. It's never too late to start again. You're going to always be in their life to pray for them, to be a resource, to be a listening ear, but you need to invest in their lives. Unfortunately, the rise of the megachurch has taken away something from the family. I tell you this, but I just need to go ahead and own it, and we need to sort this out as a church. How we do, I have no idea, but I really believe that we are doing a disservice. Do you realize, I'm going to tell you why, do you realize that, that the majority of children that leave, though they were raised up in a church, there is a, a large majority of them that once they graduate from high school will go off and never darken the doors of a church again. Do you know that? Why is that true? There's probably a lot of factors, but one of them I really believe is more right on the surface than we could ever imagine. The rise of the megachurch has created a a real crowd control issue, and we have become very sensitive to our schedules, and we try to do everything in one hour, don't we? We, we take our kids and we put them in, in the children's ministry for an hour, and we adults do church together. Rarely, if ever, do you hear babies cry in church any longer. And if they do, there is some well-meaning adult who will turn around and give that holy stare 
uh, at that parent, and that makes them feel uncomfortable. But you know what is happening? Is that many children are raised in children's church and in student church and never integrate within the body of Christ. And many of them have never heard their pastor preach in many churches. And so when they go out after they graduate and they go to college, there are no college churches. Uh, College people integrate within the body of Christ. And if you're not used to worshiping within the body of Christ, what's up with that? What's up with that? What have we done to ourselves? Uh, Well, we've made church really about us rather than about our children. By the way, I, I don't call children down in church. If I hear a baby crying, I just think, boy, there's life. Uh, that, that's great. Uh, and if uh, there are kids talking to each other in church or texting to each other in church, I'll never say, stop using that smartphone. I don't care. Quite frankly, parents, you need to hear this. Many of us are more concerned about their behavior, quote unquote, embarrassing us and being a reflection on us rather than them getting what they need to hear. In fact, I will tell you, there are some kids who get a whole lot more of what is said when they act like they're not listening than parents do when they act like they are listening. I need to tell you that, that that is uh, a sad deal. I would tell you, bring your kids. You ought to be worshiping together. You need to have those moments. You need to not only do it publicly, but you need to worship together privately. Your family unit is a very, very important entity, and God wants you to be responsible. This is exactly what Jesus, there dying for us on the cross, would experience. Mary was saying, I'm responsible. I'm identifying with my son. And second of all, here's another one. I am responsible for my parents. Say that out loud. I am responsible for my parents. Say again, you didn't make me feel like you were convinced. I am responsible for my parents. That's what Jesus was doing. He was dying for Mary's sin. By the way, he did not call her Mary, Queen of Heaven. He refers to her as woman. He didn't even call her mother at that point because he was dying for her sin. By the way, I know that there is a denomination or so out there who says, Mary was conceived uh, without sin. You don't find that biblically true. Mary had as much sin in her life as all of us had sin, and she needed to be forgiven too, and that's what Jesus was doing. That's not the point of this sermon. However, you need to understand that Jesus was not only meeting Mary's need uh, spiritually, he was taking care of her financially. And so when he sees John and when he sees Mary, he connects them together In his words, woman, here's your son. This is your mother. Jesus was Mary's firstborn. Now, Jesus had some other brothers and sisters. We we don't find them at the cross, do we? As they divided up his clothes in front of him, Jesus is also thinking about taking care of Mary, his mother. Tradition says that Joseph had already passed away. And the Bible also tells us that John did respond and he took Mary into his own home and met her needs. Did you know the growing, um, the the strongest growing demographic today happens to be those who are elderly, who most of them are living in nursing homes and hospitals? 
uh, w with the advent and the rise of modern medicine, uh, prolonging life. Uh, gerontology is a, a strong area of study. And I think we do a disservice when we do not invest in the lives of our parents. In fact, when I first was studying this message years and years ago and preparing to do a series on this, God convicted me. And before I could even get to another point, the Lord just said, why don't you just call your mother? So I dropped my pen, picked up the phone and called my mom. Just wanted to tell her how much I loved her and appreciate what she had done for me. She didn't have a lot of time to talk, but she did say, thanks for taking time to share that with me. I can't talk to my mom anymore. She's gone to be with Christ. One day I'll see her, but no longer can I pick up the phone. In fact, I, I would tell you that one of the greatest things that you can do is to be there for your parents emotionally, much less financially. And by the way, if your parents and you think in their mentality, in your mentality, that, that um, they should have had enough money to take care of themselves in their old age and they don't, guess who they spent the money on? You. In fact, I want you to look at this verse. There out of 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Whoa! That means that you and I are to take care of our families financially but also emotionally. By the way, I've used this verse because my kids are here in this church service and I really want them to remember this. However, it's important that we realize we got a responsibility. We are responsible for our parents. This last week, I had the privilege of being with my father-in-law. My father-in-law is um, going through a difficult time. Six months ago yesterday, his wife's funeral, my mother-in-law's funeral, happened. He is fighting some disease in his life that eventually will claim him. And as I was sitting with him, and because of climate and uh, just the, uh, uh, the best scenario, he's living with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law in Tennessee. He said, I'd love Omaha, but it's just too cold. And I sat down with him, and he said, Kurt, you know, if... if if I live six more hours or six more days, six more weeks, six more months, six more years, I'm at peace. But he said, I got to tell you, I really miss her. He said, there are times uh, I'll hear a noise at night and I'll call out, oh, Dean, did you hear that? And I'll look and she's not there. He said, I'm so lonely. I miss her. And he's trying to find his bearings. And the greatest investment of our lives could be with our parents. It's payback. You see, Paul would tell Timothy, and I'm telling you, the greatest responsibility you have is not only for your children, but for your parents. There's one last word I want to share with you, and that is simply this. I am responsible to my Lord. Say it out loud. I am responsible to my Lord. There's no negotiation that takes place between John the Beloved 
And by the way, he always referred to himself in the Gospel of John as the one whom Jesus loved. Great phrase. He doesn't negotiate. Jesus, let me pray about taking care of your mom. He just does it. And that's why the Bible says from that point on, he took Mary into his home. You see, whatever the Lord says for us to do, we need to be able to say yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's not, here am I, Lord, send my sister. It's, Lord, yes, whatever you want, yes. We don't sing that, that chorus very often anymore. Haven't heard it in decades. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ wherever he leads, I'll go. When you said yes to Christ, it meant that you would say yes in every area of your life. But many of us, we have a difficult time doing that. St. Augustine once said, Christ is not Lord at all until he is Lord of all. You see, but we don't do that. We see often God as the procurer of our joy in our life. We want him to be at our beck and call to serve us rather than for us to serve him. So how in the world are you going to come to this place of being responsible to the Lord? Listen to the words of Hudson Taylor, the man who started the China Inlet Mission years ago, penned these words. Let us give up our work, our thought, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, our all right into his hands. And then when we have given all over to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about or to make trouble about. Here's the problem. Many of us, we say, Jesus, we want to follow you, but we're so choked out because we want God to bless us financially. He's not doing enough in our minds. We, we, we want him to take care of our wants and our needs, and, and we always have more of those. And we're so consumed with what we want that our fellowship is more conditional than real. And the Scripture tells us that we are to be responsible to the Lord. Too, too many of us were too consumed with our work, our lives, our focus, our agendas to be of any spiritual good to God. And then we say, but God, I'll be good for you if you'll just bless what I'm doing. When in reality, it works the other way around. God will bless what you're doing when you take hands off of everything else that you're trying to control. It's just inverted. And you and I need to come to the place where we get responsible. That's not a real popular sermon to preach today. Honestly, because many of us, we want to blame our kids for the trouble that they're in. We, we want to tell our parents, you should have thought of that. We often want to tell the Lord, can you use someone else and not me? when God is calling us to come to a place of real commitment. Can you say this about yourself? Is this true of you? The service of Christ is the business of my life? Is that true for you? How about this one? 
the will of Christ is the law of my life. Or how about this? The presence of Christ is the joy of my life. You say that? How about this? The glory of Christ is the crown of my life. One day, you're going to hang this skin suit up. Not going to use it any longer. It'll probably give out on you before you give out on it. But you'll depart from this planet. And when it's all done and said with, what will last will not be the financial or emotional legacy that you could leave, but rather the spiritual impact of your life. And your life will make an unbelievable impact spiritually when you choose to be responsible for your children, responsible for your parents, and most of all, responsible to the Lord. In just a moment, Dr. Dodd will return with a closing thought. Are you a power mom? Would you like to be? What does that even mean? During the month of May, we celebrate moms. So if you're a mom or you know one, we have a gift for you. We'd like to send you an audio CD of Dr. Dodd's message entitled, How to Become a Power Mom. You'll discover what that means and how to become one. To receive your free copy of How to Be a Power Mom, call or go online today. So, how are you doing in that area of responsibility? Let's go through these three areas we talked about. Are you being responsible for your children? Are you helping them grow in the faith? Maybe you have a child right now who is far away from the Lord, and you really are burdened about them. Call us. We want to pray with you for your family. What about your parents? Being responsible for your parents, especially when they get older, oh, that's very important. Maybe you just need somebody to come alongside you and encourage you. Call us. We have prayer team members standing by who want to pray with you about your particular situation and just your commitment to stay the course, to be responsible for your parents. But most of all, are you being responsible to the Lord? Have you had a one-time experience where you've turned from sin and placed your faith in Christ? If you haven't, Oh, call us, please call us. We have people standing by right now who would consider it an honor to talk you through how to receive Christ. And if indeed you've already prayed to receive Jesus and you need just someone with skin on to pray with you about being faithful, call us. The number's on the screen and we are right here for you. Additionally, I, I want to encourage you to connect with us. We've got a special gift that we would love to give you as our way of saying thank you for being part of our audience, being part of our fellowship together. So let us know how we could pray for you. Call that number on the screen and let us get connected with you. All right, 
God bless you for being with us this day. Thank you for joining us on Higher Aim. Have you been encouraged by what you've heard today? We would love to hear from you. Call 1-800-491-4400. Visit us at higheraim.org or write to us at Higher Aim, Post Office Box 8100, Omaha, Nebraska 68108. Thank you again for joining us. See you next time on Higher Aim. The preceding program was brought to you by the faithful supporters of Higher Aim.